Conforto slices one well the other way. Big hit. That ties the game. Alonso in. Fires digging for third. It's kicked by Alonso. Here comes Fires. Trying to score. He scores. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Shea Station podcast, the Mets podcast brought to you by John Boy Media. We are on episode 29 I'm one of your co-hosts, Jolly Olive, a.k.a. Jack, and joining me is 2014 Washington Nationals postseason legend Jerry Blevins, who's currently enduring a snowstorm. But Jerry, we have a very special guest today, if you want to introduce him. I would love to introduce him. Former teammate, maybe the most sarcastic human I've ever met in my whole life, the most deadpan person in a clubhouse to where it's a coin flip on people are like, is this guy for real? It's hilarious. <laughs> I love every bit of it. Uh, the multi-talented, multi-faceted human being that is Ty Kelly. Welcome to the show, Ty. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Jerry. What an honor to be the most deadpan teammate. Uh, it's something that I've just, you know, my whole life I've put all of my energy or, or lack of energy into showing no emotion so that nobody knows if I'm serious or not. And uh, <laughs> to have a superlative like that coming from, you know, from a guy like you is just, uh, it's an honor. I mean, it is, it is well-deserved. Like it's, it's upon first impression, you get the, the people walk away and they're like, I don't, uh, did he like me? Does he hate me? Uh, was it funny? Was he making fun of me? I have no idea. That's, that's a lot of the Ty Kelly interactions that as a people person that I love to watch, I literally would, I, I would enjoy the daily interactions of watching Ty Kelly and his teammates. It's my favorite. I think it takes about a month to, to figure it out. That's from my experience. It's about a month and some guys start to go, okay, I get it now. I, <laughs> I see what's going on. We're, okay. Now we're on the same page. Yeah, for uh, for our newer listeners that might not know, Jerry and Ty were teammates on the 2016 Mets and a couple other Mets teams. Uh, the 2016 being the most notable because that's the last playoff team in Mets history. And uh, Ty, I know you know this. It's kind of a big deal around these parts, but you have the last hit in Mets playoffs history. So, I mean, congratulations to you for that. And it came off a pretty good pitcher, if you remember. I do. I certainly remember. And I've told everybody so many times that uh, the, the last time this past season when they didn't make it, I was ready to send out another tweet, um, you know, about how you letting more people know. Uh, and my girlfriend was like, you know, it's maybe you don't have to keep talking about it. I think you've She's wrong. said it enough times. I was like, I, I don't know, but OK, I guess I'll just lay off Hi. this year. I honestly don't remember it. Can you give me a, a, a little run through on on how it was? Uh, give me a give me a put me in the moment. Yeah. So the, so the moment was 2016, October 5th, and it was a night game uh, between Noah Syndergaard, the ace of the New York Mets, and Madison Bumgarner, uh, arguably the best postseason pitcher of all time. But pregame. Um, the hitting coach, one of the hitting coaches, Sixer, told me that most likely I'd be hitting either against uh, George Contos or Will Smith because I'd had success against both of uh, both of those guys. And then it came up with the eighth inning, I think. And uh, and Dickie Scott said, Ty, you're leading off next inning. And then the leadoff spot came up and he said, you're going to hit second this inning. And so Soup went up to lead it off struck out and then i came up uh took a i don't know a strike of fastball or something took a curveball oh i fake bunted also which was very of the time it doesn't really happen anymore <laughs> you gotta throw a fake bunt in there just to keep everyone honest um, and just hope that a bum garner messes up and throws it in the dirt so i don't have to swing and the, they throws the curveball in the dirt and then like a change up or something for some reason, one, one. And I literally closed my eyes and stuck the bat out and it just went in the six hole. Uh, and that was the last hit. That might have been the last hit Bumgarner gave up in the postseason there. there I feel like it's single digits. The guy's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, that's like quite the accolade. You have a Madison Bumgarner postseason hit. Not many people can say that. It's true. It, it, it is definitely it's crazy. And also when you do when you only have so many uh, chances to do things and you do it the first time, then I, you know, he'll never get me out in the postseason. 
So, and there's a pretty decent chance that I never uh, make him out in the postseason. I <laughs> am still attempting to play, but I mean, we can just be honest and, and say, you know, chances are slim. Or we can come back to this podcast when I'm the World Series MVP and, uh, you know, and then we'll have another story. I was going to follow up there, you know, because you're you played for the Long Island Ducks last season. Plenty of uh, indie ball guys got their contracts picked up by MLB teams last season. So there's plenty of chances. But I, I'm, I'm, we're going to stay here in 2016 for a second. Jerry, you want to say something? Yeah, I just wanted to I just wanted to kind of talk. So like being a bullpen pitcher, there's a lot of things that go into it preparation wise. And I think as hard as being a, a bullpen pitcher is, I think the hardest job in baseball outside of like catching the single hardest job is to hit uh, a pinch hit is to come in off the bench. You know, you, you have a, a, like you said, you had an idea of who you were going to face. They told you the scenarios and then it's not that like always. And then they tell you you're going to bat lead off and then it's not that. So you got to be flexible. Can you, can you walk me through kind of what it is and what it means to be, a, the challenges of being a pinch hitter and B, um, what your prep is that might be a little bit different uh, on that kind of a role. Yeah, well, the challenges are just that it's insanely tough to go from doing nothing to being full speed uh, in the, you know, in the heat of what are a lot of close games. Um, you know, many of my pinch hits throughout my career were in not close games uh, because I was kind of the designated uh you know, down six in the the fifth inning, just go do something. It kind of doesn't matter. But, you know, everyone has their their own routine. Some guys, uh, like that season, Diazza was a guy that was hitting for an hour off a velo machine. And Nimmo was kind of the same way when he was um, on the bench that year. Guys that just wanted to do as much as they possibly could to be ready. And I sort of took the exact opposite approach where I wanted to do almost nothing except for just like, I just want my body to be loose because I'm going to go up there and all of this stuff that I'm doing in the cage, you know, I've put so much work into being ready for just to be able to hit that. I just want to go up there and take it as just another at bat, um, you know, play the situation of the game, obviously. But if you're putting an hour's worth of velo machine pressure on yourself and then going up there and there would be times when, you know, Nemo obviously is like a super hard worker and, and everyone can see, you know, how hard he plays. But he would go, he would do an hour of machine, go hit, make an out and then be still out of the game and then come back in and hit more off of velo machine. And it's just for me personally, that's just way too much pressure to put on yourself um that you know that you're gonna hit for two hours like by yourself for to possibly see like three pitches that day it's just a lot so i wanted to take like 10 swings off the tee and just run around a bunch and do jumping jacks and stuff and just try and be as loose as possible and then you know if you get a good pitch and and hit it then that's kind of the best you can do but uh my hitting coach in in philly the year i was there was matt stairs who has the most pinch hit homers, but it's only like 22 or 25 or like something like that. Um, it's just not that many for, for someone that pinch hits so much and is like the best pinch hitter ever. It's a tough, like I said, it's a tough job and there's no correct way to do it. This isn't, you know, a set script. It's like, like I, I mentioned, it's like the bullpen. There's a million ways for your guy to get ready. I took a lot of your approach in the sense that I just wanted to be physically loose and so I'm constantly playing catch with the outfielders until that moment. I played with a guy named Seth Smith, who was unbelievable for the A's coming off the bench. He was a, a great player in his own right um, as a starter, but he really excelled. He hit over 300 for us off the bench, which is absurd. And the fact that Matt Stairs has the most pinch hit home runs and it's under 30 is crazy in the history of the game. But that, that just goes to show you how difficult it is because you're either coming in to face a setup or a closer that's just lights out or a starter that's just locked in and you're facing him for the first time and he's like cruising. And so it's, to me, it's the hardest gig. And, and it's one of those mental things where you're just, you have to be in the right mental state where you're like, my, my body's ready. I just want to have a good AB or just get a good swing on a good pitch um, and go from there. And so you erase a lot of the, uh, you know, I, I got, 
uh, I, I'm one for three today, so I can kind of relax at the plate. You don't have those. You're, you're like a pass fail guy. Um, and so I always appreciated people that were skillful off the bench to hit because I had an idea of how difficult it is. Yeah. And the other thing I think that you, you know, as uh, a pitcher, you're probably not pitching every day. I mean, maybe you're different because you're coming in for, for one or two guys. Uh, but as especially a young pitcher, a young reliever or a young uh, pinch hitter, you might not hit again for two or three days. So you've got your one at bat or your, you know, your one inning or your one guy that you've got to come in and get out. And uh, whether you do it or not, uh, it can affect the next few days and could possibly affect uh, whether you get sent down uh, for, you know, for if you, if, especially like if you're a reliever and you need to get through three innings or something, um, which I guess doesn't happen as much anymore. But if, you know, if you let the team down in some way, um, you know, you could pretty easily get sent down, bring up a, a guy, and then you got to wait your, your 10 plus days to, to try and get back up. Yeah. And I mean, Ty, you had it especially tough because not only were you like one of the designated pinch hitter guys, but you played like six or seven different positions <laughs> when you were with these 2016 Mets just because of how injury depleted this roster was. I mean, we lost Harvey, DeGrom, Mats, David Wright was out, Lucas Duda was out, Neil Walker was out, Wilmer Flores, Michael Conforto. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. And that's still something you do with the Long Island Ducks. You played six different positions this year. So I wanted to kind of like, you know, gauge you a little bit on that. Like, is that tough coming off the bench or starting in a different position every day? Or is it something you feel like you thrive at? It It is tough, but also the more you get to do it, the easier it gets. Um, I think the less you play one position, the less you're worried about um, like exactly how you've been doing or, or like what's going on at that position. Um, getting to play everywhere, I think is, I mean, it's super fun for me. It's a, it's a new challenge every day and it's a new challenge. Uh, it, and also I think that the, in the way that Jerry and I were, were talking about just being physically loose and like just being athletic, it provides a little bit of like a, um, I don't know if it's like a fail safe, uh, but you're just like, well, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do today. So I'm, I feel ready enough at every position that now the manager is like, you're either going to do, you're going to go here, you're going to go here. And it might be third base or left field. So it's like, okay, well, I have both of my gloves ready. Um, I have my cup. I, I might put it in, might take it out. Um, you know, and, and then he's going to say, okay, you you know, split second, you're going to this place. And then you just run in and you just do it. So I think it takes away a lot of the anxiety of like, I know exactly uh, I'm going to have to go do this thing. It's just like, I'm just going to figure it out when I get in there. And uh, there's really no pressure. Everybody, you know, everybody knows how tough it is. I'm just going to go do the best that I can. And, um, and, you know, and you've prepared enough at every position that, that, you know, hopefully it works out. Yeah. And also, is there like, is there one position you feel like the most comfortable in or is ha or, or has this happened so much that you kind of just feel like you are that like wandering fielder now? Yeah. Well, I think anytime uh, the manager tells you you're going to second or to, you know, one of the outfield corners, I think you're kind of like, all right, well, this is going to be pretty relaxing because uh, there's not too much to do. Um, my preferred outfield spot is uh, left just because I played the most of it, but for some reason, everyone thinks right is the easiest, uh, but I don't really, I mean, I think it's just whatever you've played most. And then second, you can pretty much um, just knock it down and then kick it over to first and, and you've got so much time. But I, I always enjoyed playing third most, um, just that I think the plays are the most unique and it's just everything, split second reaction. And um, I think that I, you know, I, I developed the best there as far as being prepared for those unique plays and kind of taking pride in, in playing a good third base. That's always my favorite position besides having a, like a quality catcher was somebody that's athletically gifted third base is my always and always will be my favorite. You know, I had the luxury of playing, you know, Eric Chavez at third when I first got to Oakland, then uh, Josh Donaldson took over. Um, 
David Wright was there. You know, I had Ryan Zimmerman in, in Washington, but he was, you know, his shoulder was already gone by that point. But I just, you know, I got to see Matt Chapman in Oakland. Just incredible Longoria in San Francisco. I just love that skill. And I know the, like, the mental barriers that you have to overcome because you're, they call it the hot corner for a reason. A lot of times you have to come in on the grass and this guy is going to hit you an absolute, jet fueled you know ground ball line drive and it's all reaction i love it so much and and i know that you're a warrior over there if you're willing to put your body on the line and excel so i wanted to ask you a question you know jolly brought up long island um a couple of things about where you are in your career what's it like for you going into a season possibly going to independent ball um let, let, let me just start here. So you're on the Long Island Ducks. You have big league experience. I'm sure you carry a, a significant amount of weight over there. Are you saying I want to play multiple positions and, and talking to the manager and, and the, the brass about how you want to stay ready? Because ultimately to get to the next level, your versatility is a key. Or are you filling a role and trying to, to win a championship or, or a little bit of both? Can you take me through that kind of thought process? Yeah, I think it's definitely both. I think that anytime you go to any team, the at least for myself and I'm sure guys like you, you're, the first thing that you want to do is just help the team win. And then I think from there, the more you do that, the more respect you get from your teammates, um, you know, the more respect you get from your manager. Obviously, my manager was Wally Backman who was the guy that uh, was my manager when I got called up in 2016 for the first time. So Wally knew who I was. Um, he had seen me play some of the best baseball of my career. Um, and so he knew that I could play every position. Wally is not scared to throw guys into any position. Um, I think if a shortstop was not playing well, he would put a pitcher at short and just say, is, you know, we're going to battle for uh, who's going to be the shortstop of the future. Like, I, I legitimately think he would do that. Um, there was a day in Las Vegas that he put um, Sean Gilmartin into the three hole a day that he was pitching. And of course, he was not allowed to keep that lineup, but uh, the lineup was posted and he, I'm pretty sure he would have let him hit. Gilmartin could rake, by the way. He could rake. I think, yeah, I think the game before he had like two doubles. So everyone was like, yeah, it's weird, but I mean, like it might work. I don't know. Um, it's, it's the minors. So, you know, and Vegas, so who knows what could happen. Um, but yeah, I think you want to, you want to come in and, and just prove yourself to your teammates and, and then kind of get in the flow of being on the team. Um, and then from there you can open up personal success. I think, you know, the more the team wins, the better individuals are going to do anyway. Um, and for me, I want to, I do want to play everywhere. And um, I think that at this point, that's kind of baked into to who I am. It's just, I'm going to play every position and, you know, it might be where I play two weeks at third. Um, and if the third baseman goes down or something like that, tons of seasons, I started at second the third baseman got hurt. I played third, like the entire rest of the season, um, you know, in long Island this past year, I went in as a utility guy, started out playing mostly third, and then we needed help in the outfield. Uh, so I started playing left. I did well there while he started putting me in center. And for like a month or two, I was just in center every single day. So it's, you know, like it just, all of these things, uh, just kind of happen over the course of a season guys get hurt when you're an affiliated ball guys are getting called up constantly and if you can just fill in somewhere maybe take over this the starting job there um, then you're getting tons of experience at a new position and um, and you know and just makes your your value that much higher uh, as a utility guy to be able to play premium positions and, and to do it on a daily basis. Ty, there's a, there's one position we haven't talked about and that's pitcher uh, in 2019 salt Lake bees pitched a couple games. How was it on the mound? Was it the similar feeling or did you kind of feel like out of place? No, I mean, it was pretty easy. Um, <laughs> you hear that Jerry? It was pretty easy, man. I mean, I, I'm surprised he cracked a smile when he said it, we were talking about <laughs> his, his sarcasm. I love it. Well, so the thing is they, so I, I did, I pitched in two games. Um, I only had one strikeout, unfortunately. I think I had, it's better than maybe, none. 
a couple of walks. Yeah, it was, uh, I think it was the last batter that I faced, um, Peter O'Brien, unfortunately for him. But, um, and Josh Tolley was catching me also. Nice. Uh, another Met, but, <laughs> <laughs> which, I mean, I, I'm surprised it, it, he's not uh, in talks for manager of the Mets yet, but I think someday. Um, but, yeah, they unfortunately for the pitchers, when I went in after the game, they told me uh, what my uh, induced was induced, uh, induced vertical vert. I don't know what the full name is, but they told me what my vert was and that my uh, slider had big league average slider shape. And nice. so for the entire rest of the season, uh, every day I would walk into the uh to you know the video room where all of that stuff is is being shown every single pitch and all the pitchers are in there recording their pitches and everything um and i would just go ask what the guy's vertical was or what the guy's slider shape looked like <laughs> um, and they hated it for the I whole bet. season um, I bet. but I, they shouldn't have told me because i had never even heard of the thing before that and uh and now you know that's pretty much what i'm living on at this point ty i don't know if you know this but uh peter o'brien is like hated by mets fans everywhere because he caught the david wright foul pop-up that was like the last at bat of his career when everyone was like drop it drop it drop it so you actually you did mets fans a solid there by striking him out that's big I mean, it all. It, it, we're we're finding uh, the connection somehow. It's we, everywhere. We we looked for it and we found it. Your Mets legend grows. <laughs> it's unreal. It just continues to to develop. I went into to that game that I'm sure we were down by 15 in Salt Lake, and I I you know I got revenge for for David Wright. <laughs> so you threw in two games. Did you give up any runs? No, no, no. I never. That's amazing. Yeah, two games. I mean, it was an inning each game. Uh, and then so I had three total affiliated innings in 2014 in Tacoma. I had an inning. Um, it was, you know, it was five pitches at 90 on the gun. Ooh, uh, they told nice. me it was only 89. But still, uh, yeah, I saw a 90 up there. I put a 90. I was going to say, you see it. It's real. Yeah. Yeah. I once threw 156 miles per hour in Anaheim. I, I'm, I still claim it as my top speed. <laughs> was it a what what kind of pitch was it was it like to the backstop or was it no no it was it was uh i think it was a even a change up but on the scoreboard they popped up 156 i was like ah, that's my new high that's pretty sweet <laughs> <laughs> but so in the pcl to throw three innings and give up no runs in a career that's i mean you you're that's a record. Yeah, I got a zero ERA. I've uh, led the the world in ERA, no matter what league. Um, I, I was there were multiple times in Philly when I was one batter away from pitching. Also, and this is when my arm was the best of my entire life, and I was so ready to pitch because I was not really playing in any of the games. So every day, um, I would just throw every ball from, you know, like pregame from third to first, every ball just as hard as I could, and then just go throw a bunch in, uh, in the cage, like whenever I was getting ready to go in. So I was so ready to go in and pitch and see what, what my numbers were going to be. But, you know, but then when you go face major league hitters, you always run the risk of them just, uh, turning one around and hitting you in the chest. So, you know, and in some ways, I'm glad I didn't have to find out what, what happened. <laughs> you and me both. You and me both. Uh, did you warm up on the mound? Like when you were, did you go to the outfield and, and warm up in Philly like that? Or you were just in the cage underneath? Yeah, they just had me in the cage underneath, which was fine. Um, but there, so there was one time that I threw off the mound in Philly that got me the opportunity, basically. Um, it was, we had just done our grounders, our pregame grounders. And the pitchers were coming in to do PFPs. And so they were all huddled uh, right behind the mound, waiting for the coaches to come out. And I was still out there. So I grabbed a ball and went onto the mound. And uh, Ben Lively got behind the plate and uh, like got down and was like, let's see it. Cause I'm like, you know, I can pitch. And so I got up there. I threw two fastballs. Again, this is my arms at the, the you know, at its peak. Feeling good feeling amazing tons of backspin uh, i had been going to a pitching coach not to like throw pitches but to 
you know, to do just to throw work on your arm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's crazy that a lot of position players don't do that, but um, I agree, but I, so I throw two fastballs and they're like, okay, uh, some Helixon was there and was like, I wish I had that fastball, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, I appreciate the compliment. Um, and then I throw, uh, I throw a slider and um, I called it a cutter and, and Joaquin Benoit was behind me. It was like, Oh, that's a slider. And I was like, yeah. And so I threw another one, a, a really good one. And they're like, okay. And they're like, okay, let's see change up. And I was like, ah, I don't really have a grip. So I just gripped the, you know, the change up that I threw in little league, just a nice circle change. Um, and I'm just like, well, I'm just going to throw it. And I just like, I just let it eat and it just goes right onto the corner, just perfect. And then he throws it back to me. I just dropped the ball on the mound and, uh, and walked I was going to say, if you were, if you're going to learn a changeup grip, Benoit a, has a pretty good one, had a hell of a career throwing those nasty changeups. So yeah, but you didn't need it. I didn't need it. I, well, I only needed to throw one to, <laughs> to no hitter. So I'm pretty sure. So you're just showcasing yourself. I'm pretty sure that my AB I got with Mickey Calloway being our manager was because I did something similar. They would never let me hit ever like spring training nothing and i was they were like oh we don't want you to get hurt whatever and i'm like look just i just want to stay loose stay athletic uh just in case because they're you know it's gonna happen and they're like no 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 so finally i just jumped in front in a group like i snuck in i brought my own helmet out and i'm hitting and they go what is Blevins doing in this group? And I'm just like hitting gap to gap, just like, you know, it's BP, it's easy, but I wanted to stay athletic. And they're like, all right, he might be able to do it. So when that spot came up, they're like, let's let him hit. So I think you you always be ready. You never know what's going to happen. It's a long ass season and anything can happen. Who did you face? I've had four at bats, but I got a okay. hit off of Scott Kingery. The flame throwing, yes, I got yes. a position player, which is more challenging because he threw it like it 32 miles an hour and it had like this arc that I hate. I, you don't practice. No, I hate facing it's position lose, players. It's lose-lose for you guys. Huge lose-lose, yeah. The, so one of the only uh, one of the only position player hits that I've ever gotten was a double off of Matt Reynolds in AAA <laughs> because he was throwing, he was throwing two well he was like 85 to like 87 but from a nice like infielder arm slot with nothing on it just like a little natural run uh like he was too average where it's much harder to face 30 or you know or 100 but yeah. facing like 85 right in the groove <laughs> right in the groove and that was perfect for me i couldn't hit anything else but i could hit his 85 I got to say, guys, I didn't expect this much pitcher talk, but I'm kind of loving it. It's pretty good. No, you might have to edit out a bunch of it. No. Just, just so we know. No and way. You know me by now, Jolly, that we're going to talk pitching. Yeah, I just figured, you know, you get <laughs> it out of them. Uh, Ty, you didn't do any pitching this season for the Long Island Ducks, right? No, not in Long Island, but I did pitch in the European Championship in Italy. Nice. Um, I was there with Team Israel. At, it was post-Olympic uh, stuff. So I got to I got to pitch in that. I came in in the the game to get to the championship. Uh, we were up like six or seven, and we we're just trying to save as much pitching as we could. So I came in from short, uh, first pitch double play, and then next inning gave up a couple singles. I I did end up giving up a, a run, uh, which was unfortunate. But I also uh, my arm was killing me just from throwing in the pen. I had thrown like 15 pitches in the pen. And I was just like, this is more than I've thrown in, you know, like ever, basically. Too much prep. Too much prep. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I didn't listen to my own advice. I should have thrown one pitch in the pen and been like, nothing is going to change. I'm just literally just throwing, you know, I'm just trying to throw it to the catcher. Yeah, it's how you mentioned Team Israel. I kind of wanted to throw it back to uh, 2017 world baseball classic because i'm a big wbc guy it's coming back in 2023 i think israel was ranked like number 40 or number somewhere around there pretty low ranked and you guys took out a top three team in south korea during that tournament two to one ten innings uh do you remember that game at all i'm sure you do because it was quite the battle yeah it was a crazy game um you know we'd be well, well that was the first game also of the entire tournament yeah so we had sort of had the kind of like the the low team on the totem pole treatment uh, to that point 
um, as far as like practice times and stuff like that. So we had been there like a week and a half, um, getting prepped for, uh, just, you know, for the time change and things like that. And, uh, all of the like 8am bus times to go, uh, practice. And then, you know, and then of course, first game comes around and it's a night game, um, in Korea against, you know, against the home team. And, uh, it was just, uh, you know, Jason Marquis on the mound making his comeback. Uh, a bunch of guys, Ike Davis playing. Oh, lots yeah. of, um, you know, they this sort of the thing was a bunch of has-beens and wannabes, and um, and it was just a real grinder of a game. There was just like both teams played well, but also missed tons of chances. I think both teams leaving like ten plus guys on base. Just very. Uh, back and forth of who can possibly, you know, score a run. And, um, and we, you know, we ended up pulling it out like two, one or whatever. Team Israel's already is qualifies because we uh, won the first round. So um, yeah, so team Israel's already in, we'll see if I'm still playing or what's going on in my career. Um, obviously I would love to still be playing because the tournament is incredible and um, those atmospheres are so cool to play in you know hopefully they'll they'll be back and and like that um if they aren't already in in uh korea and japan but um yeah getting to play in in those countries and in those stadiums is so cool and uh to hear all the fans um you know playing and singing like the the walk-up songs for all the guys and and just the the whole vibe of how much they truly love baseball and understand baseball and going to games is, um, is an event to sort of appreciate baseball. I feel like in a way that, uh, you know, in a lot of places in, in the States, it feels like, um, you know, it's a, it's a way to go appreciate uh, nice weather and uh, beers and hot dogs and stuff, which you know, in their own right are, are great things. And, um, and you get to watch baseball at the same time. Uh, but I think it just feels like in, in those places, they are, they're just like, we love baseball and we love our team so much. Like we just want to go, we just want to go see good baseball and, and appreciate it and like tip our cap to the players when they, you know, make a nice play and they'll tip their caps back to us. And it's like a, it just, it says a different feel um i guess from from baseball in the states not that one is better than the other but it's it's just different that's that's what i like to say like i got a chance to play with team usa and we played in taiwan and then we went to japan a few times at mlb it's just really cool to see what i love and what we love in baseball and america loves it's our our national pastime to see another country another culture embrace the game that we love and the way that they appreciate it is it's not uh which one is better it's just they appreciate it the same way like in the dominican the way they go about it in japan korea i just appreciate another culture loving the same thing that we love and seeing how they how they go about their their love of the game it's super cool it's very blessing to 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 don a uniform and and see it in a different way yeah and i also think it's very interesting that like each country has sort of its own brand of of baseball on the field and the the sort of give and take from everyone like you can go to winter league games in the dominican and see everyone uh like hit trying to hit home runs and and um dancing and like celebrating around the bases and stuff like that and then so in the states we're like oh that's pretty fun like why don't we do some more of that or like in other countries uh i don't know maybe in the past like japan and korea have been more of like we're just going to try and make a ton of contact um and and you know and like we're okay like what's the give and take there that we that we want or don't want or whatever and it's just like sort of a balance and now how is all of the analytics stuff affecting um teams over there like if you when we played against the korean team in the olympics in my head i was like well they're gonna sort of like you know slap the ball and run out of the box and then like you watch them and it's like they still have those sort of similar swings with the like it looks like they're sort of running towards first but like they're they're definitely trying to hit home runs now like it's it's very different so they give and take everywhere and what's everyone 
wanting to change to put into their brand of baseball to, you know, to try and presumably everyone's trying to find like what is the best way to play baseball. So it's I think it's really cool to see what everyone takes and what everyone leaves. All right, Ty, I got to ask, because it's definitely on fans' minds, especially people who are listening. Can we get a status update on your food truck, Sweet Potato Ties? What's the deal? How are we looking? Well, uh, currently in, in the uh, with the, the baseball climate right now in a lockout, it's really hard to it's hard to uh, to know what's going to happen. And I would love to say that it's going to be at City Field this year. Um, you know, and coming to, to fields around the country and, and, you know, around Canada, of, of course, uh, and wherever else we put teams, but it's just at this point, I don't know that, I don't know if I can talk smack about Rob Manfred, but he just doesn't want it at this point. And I feel like I should just put it all on him. You should, um, you definitely should. has he heard of it? No, he hasn't heard of it, but it's definitely his fault. <laughs> He's attacking everyone. This this doesn't end at the players. It doesn't end it, you know. It doesn't end at the fans. Ultimately, it, it ends at, at me and my dream of owning a food truck, uh, you know, and giving back to the fans, of course. But of course, of course. But you know, I think that it's kind of weird because now that my career is uh, still sort of going, it's it's been a little bit on the back burner. But I, I do think that um, at some point I would actually like to to try and put some some effort into it, you know, to to put some some funds behind it possibly from got you know investors like I see Jerry nodding his head. Um, kind of feel like I'm on Shark Tank right now. Kind of makes sense but... to me, honestly. Makes perfect sense. <laughs> well, I, you know, and Jerry doesn't have to commit right now, but there would be nobody better uh to to come out and run the truck for a little while for for a game or whatever sign some autographs and and talk to the fans it better be a tall it better be a tall truck i'm not ducking i kind of feel like i just made a business deal happen man i feel like this is just perfect <laughs> you know this just works out well yeah me jerry and i will will offline about it after and uh, uh i think we're gonna yeah we're gonna make something happen a little bit of magic so now I just would like to put it all on Rob Manfred and Jerry. Blair. I mean, this is a pro player pod. So don't lump me in with that. Don't lump me <laughs> in with with the negativity, especially in the current climate with with the mediation, you know, attempts and and the vitriol that's that's coming out of there. I, I did want to ask you on a, on a serious note. You officially I want to make this right. You officially retired, correct? OK, so having done gone through that process myself for you to get to that point and then also decide to come back out of retirement can you walk me through kind of your mental processes on what led to the initial retirement and then what led to you to to continue on with your playing career yeah the my initial thought process was that i i uh i hate baseball and don't want to play anymore and I was I wasn't getting any better. I didn't have the um, the energy or enthusiasm to continue playing because I just wasn't I wasn't progressing anymore. I was just um, you know if I was just going to be a a minor league backup, uh, it's not really for me. I've done I've played plenty of minor league baseball in my career. Uh, I achieved so many things that you know someday I'll look back on and and be able to appreciate and. Um, so it was just sort of, it was a very lateral, uh, move. It felt like to just try and keep playing. Um, you know, I wanted to do other things in my life. I, uh, you just wanted to stop having to, I guess, identify as, um, as a baseball player and that's it when I'm just, uh, you know, uh, filling in every third or fourth day in, in the minors. Um, so and, and also baseball is changing so much that like, I, you know, it's just getting super hard to, to be a baseball player because everybody is so good um, and so young. And so it was a pretty easy decision to, to stop playing. And then, so with about a week to go in the 2019 season, I did my retirement paperwork. I literally on the thing put uh, the reason for retirement was because I'm old and washed up and baseball is too hard now. 
was literally what I wrote down. I didn't <laughs> think it was ever going to come back. Um, and I did, you know, I didn't think anyone was ever going to see it. So I, so I did that. And then I went straight to the Olympic qualifiers thinking this will be a lot fun. Last little thing. Um, I'll go play in this tournament, you know, see what happens, but you know, there's no way we're ever going to beat the Netherlands and Italy and, you know, Spain and whoever else. Um, so obviously we end up winning it and going to the qualifying for the Olympics. And so it's like, okay, well, I'm still playing, but it's just, you know, the 2020 Olympics, it's just this next year that I'll just have to get ready for, you know, maybe I'll go play independent ball for like a month or something to get ready for the Olympics, but I'm still done. And so then obviously 2020 happens, no baseball. So I got to not think about baseball for an entire like six months of where I'm just like working out in my apartment, just like everyone else. And the great thing about it though, is that I was not doing, uh, I wasn't thinking about my swing for, you know, for a good half year plus, uh, you're, you're never entering the shower, um, thinking like, man, what's, what's my load like, and just like working on it for 20 minutes by yourself in the shower, just like, it feels like a very, it's just like the time to, uh, to just go crazy by yourself. Um, and so like not doing that, not having to think about any of that stuff was so freeing and was, was just like really what I needed uh, to just kind of like put everything that had happened behind me and be able to move forward and not, you know, every day when you're like overthinking and when you're trying to find something so hard and just like trying, you're just, you're just like gritting your teeth and trying to, to figure something out. Like it's, you're, you're just in your own way at that point. So getting all that stuff out of my head was huge. And then getting, being able to put a bunch of time into going into the Olympics. Um, I got to, I randomly got back into affiliated ball before that saw, you know, what baseball is like with all of the technology and all of the information that's available and all of the ways that you can get better, all of the ways that you, that everyone knows now what a, a proper swing is supposed to look like and what every term means and why I was you know lacking certain things before that nobody could ever put a name on before it was all you need to hit down and throw your top hand those are the only two pieces of hitting advice that that anyone ever knew for you know for the first hundred and and however many years of baseball nobody had ever figured it out beyond that so now it's like oh you're supposed to do like this and you're supposed to turn here and there's an axis and it's like and you're supposed to hit through your back hip supposed to do this and it's like that I can now I can make those adjustments in a week and I can be a good baseball player where I was just struggling to figure out, you know, just trying to figure stuff out on my own. And so being able to put all of that stuff together and uh, go into, you know, to future years is essentially like a fresh start. And uh, and yeah, but basically all of those things put together as definitely just revitalized me um and has given me that energy that i was lacking for baseball where i just was like i don't care about baseball anymore and i don't care about any of this stuff it's like now i i feel like i get it now and uh, i can take that and you know and every day try and just keep implementing all those new things like I, essentially like i'm a new player but just have game experience that's awesome, man. Thank you. Thank you for diving into that. I, you touched on a couple of things that I really appreciated. Um, but I want to kind of dive into what you talked about as hitting. Um, especially over the last five years, it's so much easier to be a good pitcher now with, with all the high speed cameras, with all of the, the motion capture, it's so much easier to get better with, with, every pitch, like in between pitches in a bullpen, you can be like, all right, so I was there. Now I need to be here or I got around it. You can literally get feedback like that. Whereas hitting has always been this philosophical step in the bucket, squash the bug, throw your top hand. as you talked about, are we catching up now on the hitting side to, to getting yourself better um, 
in a, in a more real-time fashion, do you think hitting is starting to, to make leaps technologically forward uh, from an analytical side uh, to where it can start to compete with this good hitting or good pitching? I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I do. I think, I guess I think the, the best like comparison to like the, the high speed cameras and it, you know, it, and then it'll just pop up on like a little, uh, a little image of like your, you know, your spins doing this. Honestly, we had it uh, in the dugout last year for pitchers. Like, so there's also no more uh, what's the, what's his uh, fastball doing. And a guy comes back and it's like dead straight. And then you go up there and you get jammed because it's cutting six inches. And it's just like, well, what are you talking about? It's dead straight. And then it's like, of course, the guy that is just like, I don't know. I just see the ball and, and swing at it. And it's like, that does nothing for me. You're of no help to anybody. Um, I love it. I love it. I mean, like, I don't know. What do you throw you that two one pitch? You're like, I don't remember. Honestly, I don't <laughs> really happened. know. Like, oh, I just see it and see ball hit ball. Yeah, that's the worst. Someone hits a home run and you're like, oh, it's a changeup. I was like, no, I thought it was a fastball. You don't even know what you hit. You just hit a home run. That's good. But so now we've got the uh, the track man or Rapsoda or whichever thing it is like in the dugout. Um, and so you can see it's like this is the axis. This is, you know, it's running this much or it's got this much bird on it or whatever. And there's no more, um, you know, like be careful this guy throws high fastballs or whatever it's like you you can see literally what the pitches are doing um and then go in there and and no and not have to rely on on someone else's eyes who hits a completely different way from you um so that's super helpful but i i think that as far as the feedback of what your swing is doing i think that there are, there are like those skeleton uh, images that you can see like when people swing. So I don't know how, uh, you know, like if those are in use a lot uh, for hitters as much as pitchers are using the high-speed cameras and stuff like that. But I do think that when, when that is like, uh, when people are able to use those in the dugout, like in-game and stuff like that, you can see exactly where you're going wrong and you know, I mean, and, and then at that point, you're it's uh, you're almost to the point of, of robots playing. But yeah, um, like for for training wise, uh, I almost all of my swings I have on video now. And the fact that I know how to like break down exactly what's going on in the swing is huge. So everything is getting so finely tuned because everybody knows what to look for now. And we have the cameras to be able to break this stuff down. Pitchers, I do think, are a little bit ahead uh, as far as the technology of that thing being able to break it down for you. But still, we, even when I was in Salt Lake a couple of years ago, they they put uh, a little like a strap around us and said, just take a couple of swings, and it'll tell you exactly how like your hips are working with your upper body which is like, you know, obviously like the elasticity and the, um, yeah. And this is, it's all the same thing, pitching and hitting, but, uh, you know, having that kind of feedback, uh, tells you exactly what you're doing. And, and the weird thing for me as a switch hitter is that my hips, my hips are my hips just as a human being. Uh, but as a, a switch hitter from each side, they're essentially opposites. So from the left side, my hips stay closed really well. And from the right side, my hips want to open up, which if you think about it, like makes sense because they're sort of lined up in a certain way. Um, so like the fact that I can understand that now and, and know that, um, you know, can give me a sort of, can, can tell me what I need to do moving forward as far as my swing so that I know that from one side, okay, we're good we can get elastic but now how am i going to force that to happen from the other side um and so again just all of these things like this information is out there for everyone and kids are learning it at such a young age now that it's just in the game that people uh there was a time in 2019 when uh jared walsh in the dugout in uh, albuquerque i think was talking smack to uh, a hitter on the other team. And his like big burn was that he has terrible thoracic rotation. 
And I just think it's, <laughs> it's such a, like, this is just, this is what life is now and what baseball is now that they're not like, Oh, your girlfriend's ugly or something like that. It's like, no, you, you've got terrible thoracic rotation, bro. Just like you brought up that, that the vert, like your vertical rise. Yeah. That's, it's a different world, my friend. It's different. It's a different world and everybody, everybody understands it and gets it. And everybody has the same info available to them. Um, you know, I can just go scroll down Instagram reels and see how to hit from a hundred different people, from former players, from people that just understand um, kinesiology and like, and how bodies work and stuff like that. So uh, so that, I mean, that's why baseball is so exciting to me right now. Everybody is just like all boats are rising, uh, you know, to the sky, basically. I feel like so much talent in today's game. It's crazy. Yeah, it's high. I mean, we're talking about all the new technology and stuff like that. And we got news that uh, robot umpires are coming to the minor leagues. So, I mean, what's what, what are your thoughts on that? Do you like that being integrated into the game? Well, I'm certainly not a traditionalist because, um, you know, I hate umpires just as, about as much as uh, anyone. And that's, you know, they're all nice people. And, and I, uh, I wish that I didn't feel like that. But I've the thing that I made my money on and really the reason that I got called up ever is because I had a good eye at the plate. Right. And um, that was like the one skill that I, you know, that took me over the top. Um, so, you know, it's a very, it's a very delicate thing. Uh, my relationship with umpires, because I want to be nice to them. I want to say, Hey, how's it going, Mike? You know, every time I see these guys and, and, uh, but then I know that at some point that they're, they're going to screw me and I'm going to take it personally because this is my, you know, this is my job and my life and, uh, the thing that I'm best at. And if I tell you that a pitch was one and a half inches outside and it deserves to be a ball, I guarantee you, you can go back uh, on track man or, or whatever thing. And, and it's going to be an inch and a half off the plate. Um, having said that I, in the Atlantic league last year, we had the track man zone. Uh, and I mean, it was rough. It was not good. Um, there was, they were giving, uh, an inch and like three quarters, I think on each side of the plate at any given time. Also the top of the, uh, the top of the, the zone is your standing height. It's based on your standing height, your listed height. So as soon as you go from five eleven to six feet, not saying that, you know, that's who I am, I'm six feet tall and I'll stand by that. Uh, but as soon as you do that, your strike zone now has raised above your waist, uh, even further. And, um, it's also in the middle of the plate. So you're getting tons of high curveballs that, that back up and pop out of a pitcher's hand that you give up on. They break into the top, the tiniest top corner of the zone. Um, and it's a strike and the umpire, uh, waits for like three seconds and it's like, Oh, come on. Don't tell me this is a strike. And then the thing buzzes in his ear and he goes strike three. And it's just, it's really rough for everyone. There's no, there's no feel um, because the, you know, it's a robot and it says if it clips a little tiny piece of the zone, then it's a strike. Um, but I think it's a different system from the track, man. I think they're going to use Hawkeye, which apparently is supposed to be really good. Um, I think, I would assume that it'll be back to like a 360 zone and not a um, and not a flat uh, 2D zone, but you know we'll we'll see what happens. I just know that there were a lot of things that about the TrackMan that were very bad and just inconsistent at different fields because again it's just like it's, you're leaving it up to everyone to calibrate it in a certain way, and if one day you show up in the zone is, you know, you're not hitting anything at the knees. And then the next day it's like hitting at the ankles. You're just like, I don't even know where to stand in the box anymore. Right. Um, like where, what's it going to be today? Uh, so I guess my, my conclusion is that if you can make it consistent and, uh, changing to every hitter in a way that makes sense for their stance, you know, along with like from where they're starting the way that it, it's supposed to be, um, then it'll be good. But I think at this point, 
I'm just very hesitant about, um, you know, the consistency for from hitter to hitter. I think that's the key. Pitchers, pitchers and hitters, all we want is consistency because you can adjust to something that's a constant. And if if you're just sometimes you're getting it, sometimes you're not. You're just like, well, I don't, I don't even know how to work around that. Yes. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to exclude the pitchers because it's the same thing for them. There are guys that throw submarine that, uh, that found out that they have to throw pitches above the waist to, to, to come down and into the zone. They can't throw anything at the knees, which is what the, you know, submariner is living on for the, the whole rest of his career. So it's, it's very difficult for everyone to have to readjust, um, to the zone, especially if it's day to day plate discipline approach has that changed at all over the years because like from what i saw in your baseball reference and going through the the motions and stuff like that it's always been a very high obp for you so there's a is there like one key tip you could give to aspiring hitters out there about you know a, an approach to an at bat um yeah i think i guess the, the the idea is that getting on base is good and i think that like whether you're a good hitter or a bad hitter accepting that people are going to walk you sometimes is fine, no matter how good you feel at the plate. A lot of times when I was growing up, um, I would, you know, I'd be like, oh, I, I want to hit so bad. And I would walk and I'd be like, oh, I'm mad now that I got walked. And it's like, you need to take your walks with your hits. Baseball is super hard. Um, just realize that you need to stay within the type of hitter you are. And, um, you know, like, your your approach needs to be one that that puts a priority on getting on base and and just doing something that helps the team. So if there's you know if it's a two zero count and you know you you don't get the exact pitch that you're looking for or three one or whatever it is like you don't have to swing at it. You don't have to be in swing mode all the time. Um, it's okay to take pitches. It's okay to hit with two strikes. Um, but at the same time, it's also okay to go up and swing at the first pitch. Uh, if you're pretty sure that you're going to get a fastball. So you can't just always go up with one, you know, cookie cutter approach, because if you never swing at the first pitch, then you're going to get fastballs right down the middle. You're never going to swing at them. Um, the, the one thing I guess that was really interesting to hear this past year when I was with the Mariners is they, they said that no matter who you are, you're on average, you're going to get 16 pitches a game. You're going to get four that are in the like damage zone, no matter who you are, whether you're me or you're Mike Trout doesn't matter. So the idea is that you have those four pitches to do damage and on all of the other pitches that are right on the corner, you're not supposed to do anything with those. So you don't have to put so much pressure on yourself to, you know, to get a hit every time If you get no pitches that are over the plate, then you know, you're not supposed to do anything with those. Um, so I think it takes a lot of pressure off of uh, trying to do too much and, and being upset when, you know, you might just get no good pitches that day. So, um, yeah, so I think having all of that in mind and, and sort of putting that together, depending on what type of player you are. Gotcha. Hey, thanks, man. Hey Jerry, you got uh, you got anything else? I just realized we're uh, pushing an hour here. If you got a yeah. final remarks, we're, I just want to add we're gonna keep it we're gonna keep it Mets. Who was the best position player you saw as a Met on the team, and who was the best pitcher that you saw? I think that as far as uh, pitchers go, I th- I feel like I should say Addison Reed. Good pick. Um, just because of how how solid he was. And I wasn't there in 2015, so I don't know. I mean, I probably would say Familia if I was, but... Uh, Reed had a great run in 15, too. Yeah, um, and it was so much fun to, you know, mostly be on the bench while he was coming in the the eighth inning and, and everyone putting their hat up. And it was just like, oh, it's just another eighth inning. And um, and he got out of it and and, you know, went through their best hitters to set up the closer and... Um, it was a lot of fun getting to watch him just, um, like, you know, you, you wouldn't consider his stuff the, the best of anyone, but he always found a way to get out of everything. He was just lanky enough and tall enough and had just enough, uh, like angle and a little bit of cut maybe, and, and like ride at the same time, um, to get hitters, uh, off balance and, and just get through it. 
Um, so I feel, I feel like he deserves a, a mention for sure. If, I don't know if anyone else would, would mention him. But yeah, I, I'm a huge Addison Reed fan and, and Shea Station, we are together as well. Big Addison Reed pod. And then position player wise, unfortunately, I didn't get to really play with uh, David Wright that much. He was, you know, it was basically like his last year of uh, trying to battle through all the back and neck and all that kind of stuff. But he did hit a home run in the first day that I got called up because uh, I didn't play the first day. So the, so the very first day he did hit a homer, which is uh, pretty cool also. And then I did miss the uh, post-game meeting right after because I didn't know that it, it was a thing. The I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. I was so I was talking yeah. to my dad, and then he was like, and uh, I think Bones was like, "Hey, the captain uh, is looking for you. He's, he's upset." And I was like, "I don't know what's going on." And obviously, David didn't care. He you know he gave me some guff. It but... made you sweat it out a little bit. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but then you know, but then it it helped out because the next day I went out there and, and went over four with three strikeouts, so it was great um for my debut it worked um but so i guess i'll give another uh random shout out i want i would like to shout out for position players tj rivera yes um Love one that. of my one of my best uh friends from from those years and still keep in touch with them and, and his family um but just a guy that absolutely raked at every level and in, including the big leagues um hit like 320 or, or whatever hit that first hundred at bats or however many it was that he got that year. Uh, and then of course just has had arm injuries and I know he's still playing too, but um, yeah. So I would love to see TJ get some more chances and and hopefully be healthy and, um, and do what he's always done, which is just hit three thirty everywhere. That, that I love that answer too. You gave two really good ones. Yeah, Somebody seriously. that is a baseball player that appreciates things that, that aren't always the, the shining star. I love TJ Rivera as a ball player, man. He was always underappreciated, always overlooked. He doesn't stand out as like a, you know, an 80 power kind of guy. He just rakes and he plays a solid defense. Um, I wish him nothing but the best. I'm a huge TJ Rivera fan. He's a great person uh, and, and an awesome teammate. So uh, I hope he, he does well coming back i hope he, he gets back to full strength same yeah we have a lot of mets buffs that like listen to this podcast they're gonna absolutely love those answers because those are like unsung heroes you know this is like a forgotten playoff team those two were like key pieces down the stretch so great answers uh i wanted to kind of go in just a touch on addison reed that guy when he was playing as a as a pitcher i think if i were a position player that is the guy I would love to be on the mound when I'm out there. Works fast as hell, slide steps, throws a ton of strikes. So you're in everything and then you're in and then you're out and he's walking off and he lifts the, the lid and you're like, that was fun. Let's go back out it. So I, I love Reed. I love Rivera. Thank you for for adding those two guys in uh, and for giving you know those guys a shout out. Absolutely. Those are my guys. And yeah, definitely a, a real like brand for, for Addison Reed. They're just like the inning is going to go a certain way. Everything's going to be very Addison Reedy uh, when he's out there, including the, the finishing hat at the top of the head. Like, it's just like, it's a whole separate entity from, from just pitchers in general. One of my favorite humans uh, uh, in the clubhouse ever too. Just an awesome human being awesome teammate and a hell of a pitcher man so cool do you guys have any uh last remarks before we, uh, we i wrap think up we've, here? we've held on to ty for long enough uh you did great man thanks for coming on we really Crushed appreciate it. it absolutely i appreciate it yeah this was a lot of fun um great to talk to both of you guys jerry always good to see you you got the the Bengals hat on uh hopefully i feel like everyone's gonna root for them so go Bengals, go burrow i hope so uh, are you had, going to the game out in la are you in la still I'm in LA, so I, I'm a 49ers fan. So yeah. I all I really wanted to go last week. Uh, obviously, it would have been heartbreaking to be standing up in the you know the top row of the stadium. Uh, it's just heartbroken. But uh, I was close to going. Uh, you know, if I had been in the big leagues for the last couple of years, I may have popped for 
for one of those tickets but uh you know on a on a minor league salary or on no salary right now is a little <laughs> tough but uh, it's a, a a very responsible move for you i i was looking to go the cheapest ticket for the super bowl is like 7500 bucks i'm like nah, i'll watch it on tv it's better on tv anyway yeah it'll, it'll be better and i'm sure that's the absolute worst uh seat in the stadium um but i mean it does look like a pretty crazy stadium but regardless yeah. that's still that's still a good chunk of change well man uh you, you send me your uh send me some of the info on on sweet potato ties yeah uh, i'll send you the pitch deck <laughs> i was gonna say let me see the deck and and I'll send it to my advisors. <laughs> I love it. We're, we're going to get this thing rolling and uh, no one will stop us. Not even Rob Manfred. <laughs> I love it. All right, buddy. Thanks again for coming on. If you ever want to come back on, hit us up, shoot me a text, whatever. Um, you got something to promote. You don't, you just want to talk bullshit. Let us know. Love it. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Ty. Appreciate it. Thanks guys. All right. Later, buddy. Jacob DeGrom. Alonzo to his left, flipped to DeGrom.